Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Yubi from Interview IA, and this is a Higher Future podcast, and I'm here with Nicole as always. Hi, Nicole. Hey, Yubi. Who are we talking to today? So we are talking to a dear friend, um, you know, someone who we've known for a few years now here in the Colorado area. Um, Alita Jeffress is from CGI. She's the vice president of consulting services there. Um, we met you, Alita, when, gosh, way back in, at City of Aurora days um, when you were when you were CIO over there. And so, hello, first of all, it looks like you just got back from a hike in Vail. Hey, good to see you. Yes, I wish. That would have been lovely, but uh, not quite today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you. And I mean, there's so many things we can we can talk about today. And I think, um, you know, well, first of all, tell tell everybody a little bit about just kind of what you're doing it with CGI. Like what's your what's your role? What what's and, and what's been going on the last year in terms of the pandemic? Sure, absolutely. So you know, I've been at CGI almost a year, just a little bit over a year, actually. And so I like to say I started about the same time the pandemic did, right? And right. so <laughs> when you start a new role at a new company and it's completely remote, that's kind of an interesting situation when that's not really how, you know, how the role is structured or how the companies even work to date. But um, we can talk a little bit more about that later. But if you don't know CGI, they are an international company and they've done a lot of work in systems integration and consulting, a lot of business agility, transformation, um, digital, digitalization work. So uh, they really have a number of clients from state and local to commercial and just a wide breadth of services and offerings. So like I said, I've been there about a year and I currently focus on some of the state and local work for Colorado and also Arizona, as well as kind of helping out in the commercial area as well. So, you know, I think from their perspective or from a kind of a large corporation perspective, we have 75,000 employees, you know, internationally. And so when you think about trying to manage a group like that through a pandemic, right, you're, you're doing things like the rest of us have all done, right? We went to teams, you know, so that was an evolution after I was there not too long. And so you just learn how to manage your time a little bit different and be more intentional about reaching out across maybe what your local area would be because now it's a it's easier you know and so and now everybody's kind of on that same playing field but they've really focused a lot on helping companies and helping organizations pivot as well because when the pandemic happened you know there were lots of things that impacted call centers people who couldn't go to work so we picked up some of that call center work right we picked up a lot of digitalization work because people had to have like immediate reactions to what was happening so um, making sure that their processes were better they were more agile now we're looking at a lot of like the human centered design component as people continue to kind of evolve their process and what they're trying to get to as quote the the new normal Will you be heading back into the office anytime soon? Yeah. We do not have a date for return to work. So return to office. So I don't know. I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you've probably had this similar experience to a lot of other people. I mean, you started a new job and and some folks out there did too. I did. And and it it is a very different experience to do mm -hmm. that remotely. But I suspect that we're not all going back to work. And, and from what we talked to you about before we got started here is, you know, that 50% of people don't ever plan on going back to the office. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Sure. So, you know, I think, again, looking at kind of the worldwide scope and then even specific to Colorado, you know, as we've talked with customers, they've definitely shifted their focus. So um, anywhere between 40, 50 percent, some of the organizations are like, we're just we're not going to require people to be in the office. Some of them have already sold off all of their real estate or, you know, changed their leasing agreements to either downsize or eliminate them completely. And so they've just really accepted that um, as a way to lower expenses and they've continued to be able to be productive. So they don't really see it as a bad thing. It's just a different way to, to achieve their mission. From the company perspective, I can see how you know this is an agile thing. Everyone's shifting. From the city perspective, it makes me worried for our bigger cities. Are our cities at risk of dying? I don't know about dying, um, at least not the big ones, because I do think that there will still always be kind of this core right to a downtown. That's something that's very um, needed, I think, even in, in smaller cities and bigger cities, because by nature, people like to congregate, right? They like to make sure that there's a place to go. We all want to go to concerts again, right? So there, there still has to be a place where we can do things like that. But I think what will change more significantly is the day-to-day -day servicing that, that citizens have in a government setting, because no longer maybe do you need to, quote, go downtown or go to the municipal building to pay a bill or to, you know, submit plans for development or get a new permit, you know, for building. I think a lot of that type of activity will, has already moved virtual and just will continue to move virtual because it's really just an easier way to do business. I think too, the consumer experience, which government has always kind of lagged behind consumer in what citizens experience, you know, you have how many apps are in the app store that you can use for a variety of things. And governments, you know, even the innovative ones, you might get a couple out there, but not like 40, you know, that you might have to work with. But now they've had to, they've had to react and they've had to up their game and really develop ways to interact with citizens that you have to be able to do on a phone or you have to be able to do on an iPad or a mobile device. So, you know, I think that shift will be permanent and allowing citizens to engage that way and kind of reducing that kind of footprint of brick and mortar it's, it sounds like a lot of work needs to be done now to catch up with what's about to happen, where people don't intend to go back to the office, will mm -hmm. work from home or other places. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, let's just look at that a little bit. The changes in buildings, internet infrastructure, like you're talking about government service, uh, services. Uh, what have you seen specifically? Well, you know, I think the infra infrastructure change started early, right, right away. Um, I had mentioned to you earlier, you know, when about in the June timeframe, even while everyone's sitting at home, you can see all the, all the trucks go by, right, trying to really take, make sure people have internet, make sure um, neighborhoods are upgraded because everybody's at home and everybody's on next door chirping about, you know, how good or bad their, their internet services and asking questions. So, you know, I think from that perspective, big companies have had to realize this is now a necessity. That drove a lot of broadband conversation, drove a lot of rural broadband conversation and funding actually to make sure that some of those communities that maybe before, you know, didn't have really good internet options, you know, now I think they have funding and, and more options for how to do that, which means also that the people who are working they're going to change locations. Like you said, they could work from a coffee shop. They can work from the mountains. They can work from the beach. 
And we've seen articles about people who have just up and moved or rented homes somewhere else on the beach for a year, you know, while they work through that. And so that's kind of a big scale, but I think even on a local scale, you know, how people interact day to day, like before we would get up, we would drive to work, we would stop and get coffee, you know, stop and get donuts, whatever it is. And on the way home, you know, we would do the reverse. We'd stop at the grocery store, stop and get gas. Well, none of that's happening between, you know, seven and nine and five and seven anymore, right? So what does that look like for how a city evolves? What does that look like for their footprint and their business development? Because business development plans might've been sold two years ago with this kind of traffic pattern in mind. Well, guess what? Now, now the traffic pattern is completely different. And so what does that mean for those businesses who are kind of on the fringe, but yet when you do new development, that's even more impactful because now, you know, greenfield developments, their internet requirements will probably be different or they have to recognize that there's different traffic patterns or how do they reach out or maybe they don't need as much office space or, or um, the footprint. So lots of considerations, I think, with that. Yeah, it seems... Uh overwhelming in a sense it's like oh my god we <laughs> just put about. this whole plan together yeah uh but it, it kind of puts the focus then on the conversation which we've talked a lot about this um even with different guests too but the focus really is shifting to people mm-hmm. and, and i think that's what's kind of interesting and cool here is that we're finally corporations are finally having to understand their people their people's needs their people's um, behaviors more than ever. And they're going to have to even hire for that. Once they get that, their head around that understanding, then they have to continue to hire. And, 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 but, but it's really, the focus is now on the people. It's not about the, the technology necessarily anymore. I mean, sure. Technology to support the people, but at the end of the day, it's, it goes back to the people. Like what, what is that? How, I don't know. What's the future of work because of that? Well, and I think that's a great point, UB, is because, again, we have this knee-jerk reaction to get technology in place and make sure we can mm-hmm. talk to each other and see each other and, and all of that. And now it is, oh, my gosh, well, these people who live by themselves or maybe are more physically remote, um, you know, how do we make sure those people are engaged? How do we make sure that they have resources that they need? How do we make, how do we make sure everybody still remains mentally healthy? Because you know that although everybody's super productive, you know, now we're, we're seeing, you know, meetings starting at seven, meetings ending at six, and, you know, your day just happens to get a little bit longer. And I think that there's definitely a swing to more work, but then we're recognizing that's not sustainable either. So how do we pull people back into kind of more of that, you know, maybe normal, normal work week? Um, I was even talking with an organization the other day and they said that, you know how you used to have jeans day? Like you used to, that used to be a reward. Well, now they have no video day. Like that's a prize when you, when you can yes. go to work and not have to be on video, which I thought was, was oh, really cool. Funny. So, but I think to that point, how do you take care? How do you take care of people and recognize, you know, for me personally, managing people, I became very aware that, you know, maybe for those people who especially had kids in school, you know, I don't need to schedule time between like eight and eight 45, or I didn't schedule mm-hmm. meetings between like three and four because people needed to be able to pick up their kids or get them settled or, you know, whatever their routine is and really be respectful of that because a lot of times they're still doing work at six or seven. So I think just being more, um, 
forgiving maybe, you know, or more yeah. just recognizing what's important to one person is going to be different than what's important to somebody else. And, and just kind of working through that, like you would with any relationship. But I think being very intentional about it with your employees is something that, that will have, that will be a skill set that we'll need to continue to work on. It's funny because Nicole, like what, you know, the, the work that you do, like around behavioral transformation, right? I mean, this is a true, this is like behavioral transformation at its finest. I mean, it's like Mother Earth was like, you know what? We need to change some behaviors and here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is that the, the external transformation, the forced transformation isn't true transformation. So if you think yeah. about um, like a, a character in a movie, that character, if you put them in a different environment say season three something weird happens to them and they just respond to it they didn't change as a character they're just responding to their environment but mm -hmm. then you have like the round character in literature the round character actually changes their perspective on the world and so i'm wondering there's some people that are just dealing with what's coming at them and nothing in their world has changed in terms of their response they're just responding to totally different things and then some people have dramatically shifted their perspective on life and everything and they will never be the same they will continue to evolve because of what's happened over the last year or so and it's um it's gonna be really interesting to see how those two different groups of people uh get back into a totally new it's not back we're not going back we're now okay. just evolving into a whole different paradigm of something even even not it's not in the office it's not out of the office it's going to be half in half out different it's just but i i agree that's a great point because you know you think about major events that have happened over time like even 9-11 right and how many people picked up and sailed around the world or whatever it is that they did as a result of that knowing that you know they just needed to to do something different or they were stuck in a rut and I think everybody's with COVID because it's so long. I think people's um, tolerance, or you know, everybody has a different has a different point at which they've now decided, okay, I've had enough, and so I'm either going to continue to quote, you know, respond or react, versus, well, look, this is how I can do business now, or this is the kind of business I need to do because of COVID. You know, those people who've been able to respond that way on the business side. I think some of that's fascinating, you know, as well, just different opportunities and how they've timed, but everybody, everybody has a different sense and a different time and, and they need to kind of work through that um, on their own terms. Well, and I think it's going to be interesting to see which businesses truly survive and, and then shine mm -hmm. compared to those who don't because of a combination of that, that, a, that kind of external transformation or, or reaction, but also then the intentional internal transformation necessary to kind of keep going in the right direction or to fully adapt. I mm -hmm. think it's going to be fascinating to see because we've already seen how many businesses closed down um, within the last year alone because of the pandemic. And some things are, are out of your hands, but it's just, it's, I don't know, it's fascinating. It's really going to truly alter things mm -hmm. permanently, um, much more so. And it's just such a grand way. 
Right. No, I agree. I, it, it'll, it will be fascinating to watch and to see how people engage with, with some of those outcomes, you know, because everybody, you know, change is hard and people don't like change and it can be exhausting, but for the people who really embrace that and move it forward, I think those, those people will just, they'll just go gangbusters, right? Mm -hmm. It'll, it'll be a whole new way of thinking, I think at that point. So it's obvious that the culture of work will change and our culture is sort of an art, right? There's Mm -hmm. in terms of for uh, getting a culture to change in a way that you want it to. But the other thing that's also an art that I've heard you, you speak on in the past is security. And I'm wondering what you see in terms of uh, new security issues that are arising security issues that need to be artfully addressed differently than they have been in the past? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that security is an art. Um, If it were as black and white as maybe we liked, nothing would work (laughs) because it would all be locked down. But, um, you know, I think that there's always a challenge, especially with really established organizations or technology, right, that we've seen this where the back end of the technology doesn't really change, but there's a really pretty front end. And we think we've transformed and we really haven't. So, um, and, and you see this in a lot of, of legacy industries, but um, I think now is the time where maybe we got through, again, we maybe got through kind of this knee jerk reaction of trying to deal with unemployment insurance, for example, right? There's a lot that went into that, affected a lot of people, a lot of activity around that. But we really need to change how the system and the business process works, because what we what we have in a lot of states, what we took um, and tried to morph it to adapt to people and give them the services that they need. Right. It was very important. People needed that all of that support. But um, it didn't allow for just the amount of fraud that could come out of that as well. I mean, I personally was frauded through unemployment insurance. And the interesting part about going through that process was you know, I could go on to the, you know, to the website and I could say, here, here's my information and here's what happened. And some of that probably behind the scenes is still pretty old school. But when you go to file a police report or when you go and do some of the more current things that was all automated, all online, here's the email that I got, you know, so it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, here's kind of the old institution and how this works, but yet here's how some of the newer players or the newer people who have to manage that and respond to it, um, how they've kind of interacted. So, you know, I think we've all seen more phishing emails. We've all seen, you know, weird things come across. Like I mentioned, you know, I got four different emails from different vendors saying I needed to renew my security for a product that I don't even have, you know? And so some people I think have become more cognizant of that because that's the the, um, volume of it is just so much more but I think still coming back and looking at our underlying architectures and how do we really secure those and it's probably time to to overhaul some of those and yet at the same time I've also been fortunate to see some some younger security companies come in with just some phenomenal solutions right that they've been able to adapt to in the last 18 months and and be flexible with and recognize that this is a new normal and how do we how do we make sure that things are locked down and people are protected and companies are protected right so i do think there's a lot of new solutions out there um, that again we need to talk about and look at and evaluate in in existing infrastructures hmm. there's a lot 
there's a lot. There's a lot. Never uh, mind the pandemic, but you know it's right. Uh, well, hey, but well, hey, first of all, happy 20th wedding anniversary to, oh, to thank you and Brandon. You so much. Is that Same Brandon in the background? Oh, well, thank you. Is that him in the bush there? Like in the, I can't tell. Fish if that's him back there fishing somewhere. You know? <laughs> well, this is an awesome discussion. Thank you um, for being on the show. You know, I think uh, I, I don't know. A, a continuing trend I see is is kind of this focus on people now, which is really kind of awesome. And, you know, if, if anything comes out of the, the pandemic and, 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 you know, bringing up conversations about systemic inequalities and everything that happened oh, after right. George Floyd's murder last year, you know, that there is, I think this renewed focus on, on the right thing moving forward. And so that's, what's really exciting. So um, thank you. It's great to see oh. you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Pleasure to talk with you, Nicole and UB. You guys take care. You too. And, and thank you all for tuning in. And uh, yeah, check out check out the, the podcast for more great episodes, A Higher Future. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Uh-huh.